This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So the final day is done in Indian Wells and our champions are crowned in the men's Carlos Alcaraz, his third title of this level after Miami and Madrid of last year. And in the women's, Elena Rabakina, her first title since winning Wimbledon last year. Two worthy champions, two intriguing finals, two very different finals. Our last night in tennis podcast towers David's here. Hello, David. Hello. Yeah, that uh, that makes me feel a little bit emotional because we've had the loveliest time here. Um, but it has been crowned with two incredible champions. Maybe not quite the matches I expected. Um, the first one, perhaps. Certainly not the second one. But still, it's it's still ended up with great winners and great moments, I think. Mm. The ghost of Matt Roberts is here. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling? Listen, it's <laughs> it's been a tough day. Uh, that's all because of Fulham. I don't need to get into it. Go Let's on. talk about tennis. Get, get, get him into it. I feel like you need to have just a moment's catharsis. Mm. A potted potted summary, a bit like you did with, with Bob and Bruce yesterday. Okay, well, the summary was Fulham are playing in the FA Cup quarterfinal. This is not a situation that Fulham find themselves in very often. So it was a big day. We're playing away at Old Trafford against Manchester United, one of the best teams in the country. And it's going incredibly well. We're 1-0 up after about 70 minutes. We're playing them off the pitch. I'm dreaming of Wembley. And... Well, to say it went wrong is just a total understatement. It was just 60 seconds of madness. And we lost two players to red cards. Our manager got sent off. Man United got a penalty. They scored a penalty and they scored about 30 seconds later. So we were suddenly 2-1 down, down to nine men and no longer dreaming of Wembley. And it was awful. And I've taken it very hard. I wish I'd not brought it up. <laughs> In summary, sport is cruel, isn't it? That's what we yes. take and, from and this. Look. And that it really is the hope that kills. Because Matt was very 
Matt was lolling about, you know, oh, we haven't got a hope, you know. It's, old, it's United at Old Trafford. If only it had been a different draw. All of mm. that, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was gallows humour and now it's grim-faced and, and, lack of humour. And look, I realise that what I've just described, a lot of people probably think, objectively, that's very funny. Mm. And if it happened to another team, I would probably think that. And maybe one day I will get to that place. Yeah, David and I are like, when can we make jokes about this? <laughs> Answer, not today. So we move on to the tennis, uh. which Matt has struggled through valiantly. Very good of you to struggle through two blockbuster finals at Indian Wells, Matt. You are welcome, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go in the order that we watched them? I think so. Mm, let's start with Elena Rabakina's straight sets victory over Arena Sabalenka. I'll stick with the sporting cliches here and go with a tale of two sets. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's very accurate because I think the the first set of Sabalenka Rabakina was was the best set of the day by far. It's the best set of in fact of the whole weekend. And it was very much a continuation of what we'd seen in the Australian Open final. I mean, at, at two games all, we'd had half an hour. And by the end of the set, we'd had an hour and 20. And it was just all good. I mean, OK, Sabalenka went back into double faultitis from last year, certainly at the start of last year. Bad habits, as she described them in her press comments afterwards. But apart from that, I mean, the... the the, the trades from the baseline were as good as anything you can get in the sport. These two really do meld into a fantastic combination for the viewer. Um, and the, the, the gasps that were going around the Indian Wales Tennis Garden today really told you what they were witnessing, how extraordinary the power was on display, and yet they were both taking full swings at each other and connecting. It was just like the Australian Open final, and it was, it was brilliant. And, and they both had set points. I still always thought all the way through the set that Sabalenka would end up winning it. And I think that that's a, a credit to Rybakina for just changing that, that narrative. This matchup shouldn't work hmm. on paper, should it? it? It should be actually a little bit ugly, um, but it's one of my very favourites on tour at the moment yeah and I think we all feel that don't we like the reason it shouldn't work is they're quite similar game styles and again the cliche goes (laughs) contrast makes great rivalries and matches in in tennis and I think one of the aspects that makes it work is that there is some contrast amidst all the power that they both have like they both produce their shots quite differently uh, Sabalenka throws herself into everything and Rebekina's power is much more easy power and they have very different demeanours on court you know um, and so I think that helps bring some of that contrast but basically it works because the level is so high like and as David said this was just a continuation of that Australian Open final for a set, I, I think the level did drop off in the second set when the wind picked up, especially. And after Sabalenka didn't win that first set, it just felt like, how on earth do you recover from losing that? You know, she was in a position to win it. She hit double faults at costly times. It's the hardest sort of set to recover from, I think. And there was a hangover. You know, she immediately lost serve at the start of the second set. 
she was a bit ragged for a few games, and that was just enough for Rabatkina to to close it out. And she was so so impressive. She she went off court in between sets, didn't she, Irina Sabalenka, and looked like she'd at the very least had a word with herself in the mirror. But she she looked upset coming back onto court to me. She looked like she'd had to really really compose herself and. I mean, we always talk, don't we, about how, how does any tennis player recover from losing a close set, close set, all that effort for mm. for nothing, let alone losing one 13-11 in the tie break. She had two set points and, yeah, Rabatkin have played great. She went for it. Some some of those opportunities, she wrestles from Sabalenka, but there were double faults. Yeah, I mean, and there were errors. There were 10 double faults in that opening set. Those are alarming numbers. Those are very 2022 Sabalenka numbers. And I don't know what she does with this as a data point Yeah. now, yeah. because you don't want to just dismiss it as that's a one-off, because I think that would be denial. But you also don't want to get back in your head about mm. it. I don't... It's a really tricky one for her. And undoubtedly, the win played a part. But she double-faulted less in the second set than she did in the first. And the wind got up considerably in the second set. So, again, I think it would be denial to attribute too much of what was going on to the conditions. Yeah, and, and uh, she did own that in the press conference. I, I, I like that about her. She wasn't backing away from the fact that she'd gone back into what she was doing a year ago. There was It would be very easy, I think, to try to talk herself out of that mindset because it's scary to her you know it, it would it would be traumatizing i think to to think too deeply about what happened at the start of last year when she was hitting double figures and more uh double faults in every single match but here she she hit 10 in that set and they all came at big moments some of them you know she was she'd got a break of serve and she let the service break go with a double fault she'd got set point she missed it because she double faulted she was sort of falling forwards and it was obvious it was going to go in the net every time she did that um what she did also do is when you said she went off the court at the end of that first set she admitted she went off to reset she didn't go off to go to the bathroom as such um, she just admitted it. Daniel Medvedev, a couple of days ago, said when he goes off the court, he actually needs to go to the toilet. He wasn't trying to reset at all. Now, God, believe he's that talked if you like. about going the to the toilet. toilet a lot this week, hasn't he? <laughs> and I mean, you can you can decide whether you believe him or not. I mean, there, there has to be a degree well, look, of wanting to clear your head. But it can be both things, right? It can of be course. like, oh, it'd be quite nice to empty my bladder. Also, nice to have a chat with myself in the wood. Mirror yeah. to work birds one stone. But it did Great. not work for her at all because she came out and was immediately broken and she was losing a run of points quickly. And I actually thought she did incredibly well to, to make that second set competitive from where she was mindset-wise because I do believe losing sets like that is what separates these players from normal people because how can you put that behind you? I just don't know how you do it. If Sabalenka hadn't had the serving problems before, you know, if it, if she just hit 10 double faults in that first set today, kind of completely out of the blue, my analysis probably would have been a lot of that was caused by Rabatkina's return because that is an, an astonishingly good shot when she is in form, Rabatkina. 
she was reading the Sabalenka serve very well. And I mean, Sabalenka was actually reading Rabakina's quite well. It made for these incredible moments where the serve would get hit and the return would come back almost as fast as the serve. And immediately they would be sort of in a rhythm of a really fast-paced, quick-fire rally. And it was incredible to watch. But Rabakina especially was was reading the Sabalenka serve, getting some huge hits in, you know, stepping in on on the second serve. So I guess I would think... Well, maybe that played a factor in why Sabalenka did hit so many double faults. It was in her head, perhaps. And I think that is probably true, but combined with what we know about Sabalenka's serving problems from the past, I have to think that some of that sort of crept in again as well, and it just sort of all snowballed and and became quite a big issue, really, for her. I mean, in such a close set like that, to hand Mm. 10 free points away because of the serve as... And as David said, on so many crucial points, it was always just so difficult to recover from that. And, and Sabalenka is a player who is very good at recovering from losing the first set. She's got that extraordinary mm. record in the slams from last year where she every time she lost the first set, she would win, and including in the Australian Open final of this year against Rabatkina. So, you know, if anyone was well-placed to do it, it was her. But I think the poor start she had at the, second, at the start of the second just showed what a what a monumentally difficult thing that first set was to recover from. Mm. Can I say Rabakina and backhand list question mark? You can. Mm. <laughs> You're not in the mood for it today, are you, Matt? <laughs> That's a bit too deep and and yeah. sort of you know emotional. There's an emotional connection with the backhand list for Matt and his emotions the, are the, the tank is empty frazzled mm, yeah that's that's well said but what i would say is Krejcikova and Rybakina are maybe becoming unavoidable like <gasps> they maybe need to we're getting to the point where they maybe need to be on the list but who's, it's under, gonna, who's under threat it's going to take some work uh, Golubich for sure <laughs> Because we haven't, I mean, when are, you, when are you watching and updating your assessment of Victoria Golubich's backhand? I know you're going to say Billie Jean King yep. Cup. <laughs> you can't watch her once a year and keep her on the list. I mean, you can, it's your list, do what you like. There's but... only five allowed on the list, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. I feel like Victoria Golubich, I mean, I feel like it should be at the top of her Wikipedia page, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's doing well. She's clinging on right now. Yeah. When's your, when's your men's back unless list going to be published? Soon. He had originally said this tournament, but he's, he's been derailed. So. Today is just... <laughs> Normally I love, to, I love to push everybody here, particularly Matt, <laughs> because he always rises to the challenge, but I actually think it's cruel to <laughs> try to do that right now. I so sense that too. To Thanks, guys. Yeah. Okay, next question. Rebecca and Sunshine Double? Question mark. She's capable of anything. Mm. She can win. I, d- I don't know how good she'll be on clay um, because I think it is hard for tall players, although Maria Sharapova proved that she, you It's got to be it. the model, that, hasn't it? Sharapova and, yeah, for her. Yeah, and she can do it with flat ground strokes as well. So there's actually a lot there, I think, for Rebecca to try to model her game on if when she goes out onto the clay. And I think she's just somebody who just takes it as it comes. Mm. Her game is awesome. Her ball strike... It's different to Sabalenka's, but it's just so pure. And she was already having good results before the pandemic. That obviously derailed her to some degree, but it always felt like she was so green, so raw, and not really ready for it all. 
She really looks ready for anything. I actually think the pandemic derailed her a lot. Yeah. I really do. She was happening. She was happening. She was, she had potentially happened at the start of the pandemic. I really think that what we're seeing now could have been happening two years ago, possibly even likely would have been happening two years ago. I think it was just the worst possible timing for her. It wasn't great timing for any of us. (laughs) Um, Not sure when it would be great to schedule a global pandemic, but... No. For Elena Rabak, you know, it was deeply inconvenient. Um, and, yeah, I almost think chuck an extra couple of years in her canister as a result. You know, we it, it sort of skewered her narrative a little bit. If there'd been no pandemic, oh, if there'd been no pandemic, um, you know, who knows what we'd be talking about with her or with anyone. <laughs> but she seems to, to win tennis matches... Not effortlessly, but economically. She yes. looks like a player who doesn't stress her body with the way she plays the sport. It's all fluid. It looks... There was a moment where we were sitting all together and I just said, I just remembered thinking... I, I just watched a point and just watched her side of the court. I didn't watch where the ball went. I just watched her move and hit the strokes. And it was as good as it gets, I think. There was nothing off balance. There was nothing lacking poise and understanding of what she was trying to do. It didn't seem to matter whether you put the ball up high or down low. She was able to adapt to it. She's one heck of a player. You know, the fact that she handled the stuff that Mukova was was throwing at her the other day. And then she comes up and plays two very different opponents. It's She's so impressive. Yeah. And... There's not just the fact that she's overturned, avenged that defeat to Sabalenka in the Australian Open final. Let's not forget she'd never beaten Sabalenka. That was a 4-0 and head-to-head that she had against her. If it goes 5-0, and that's, you know, even if they are close matches, that's not great for, a for the early then, days of a rivalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and gets in your head and all of that. I think, I think this was really big for Rabatkina today. I completely agree. And if we... You know, if we're talking big picture, we're back in a question such as backhand list and Miami. If we <laughs> in that order, <laughs> if we stretch that out and just, I've sort of had a moment, I suppose, in the last few days where I've just been thinking about the WTA tour generally. And it wasn't long ago where I thought Igor Swiatek was head and shoulders above everyone. And I think what the start of this season has done has changed that picture a little bit you know Rebekina likes the matchup against Sviantek we've seen that she's won four sets against her this year pretty handily all of them uh, Sabalenka and Rebekina have got our word rivalry going uh, I saw Pam Shriver tweet you know it's a rivalry if you're consistently meeting in the biggest finals and the two biggest finals of the year have been Sabalenka against Rebekina and, you know, if you branch out even more, Sviantek holds two slams. Sabalenka holds the slam. Rebekina holds, you know, Wimbledon and Indian Wells, seen as the sort of biggest Masters 1000 event. There's suddenly a, a real sharing around of, of the biggest events. You and were going to say big three then, weren't you? I've seen some people say big three, and it feels ridiculous because, you know... A medium-sized three. We've had... <laughs> We've had 15 years, you know, it's, it's tough to compare like a sort of three-month, six-month stretch that we're on. But 
does feel like maybe those three are ahead of the pack. I think Sviontek week in, week out, maybe, is going to be more consistent and can put up the kind of score lines that make her seem so much more dominant. But Sabalenka and Rebecca are showing up with big games at big events. And I think there's a, there's a really exciting group forming there. How important is Miami for Sviontek? Because there must be a part of her that's just like, oh, for goodness sake, can I get... Can I get the clay beneath my and, feet now? And, and she's in Rebecca's quarter. Mm. But she oh. also really doesn't want to be losing to either of these two there. Mm. Um, or losing to it. She could do with making a statement. I think she needs I think a title. I, I, yeah. I do think she could do with a title. Look, I mean, if she doesn't, that doesn't mean she's not going to go to the clay and probably be a heavy favourite to, yeah. to, to dominate it. She will be. But I do also think that She's had two tournaments now where she's looked overwhelmingly the best player for a period of it. You could argue that maybe Rebecca matched her at this tournament even in those early stages, but the lopsided nature of the score lines and the way she's able to just accelerate away from people makes you feel like she's the best player. But then she runs into these brick walls, whether it's Barbara Kritikova or... Elena Rabakina, and and she's lost handily. So they're not, and look, and I, and I know she was not feeling well against Krachikova. She was injured. She said she had this issue against Rabakina. That's still not great. Uh, it's not great that she's had those injuries, and it's not great that she hasn't ended up winning these tournaments. And I think, um, yeah, I think she could do with following one of these through. It's no good to just. Um, you know, be like a flat track bully, as they call it in in a, in the boxing world. Sometimes, where you where you beat people that are that you that you can easily knock over, mm. but then you run into somebody who's just standing up to you. Mm. Yeah, I think Miami is fascinating for for the big three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely feel they have they have some of the ingredients that make you want to just see them play often. Mm. I would watch that match today. I mean, I, it, it doesn't necessarily follow that every match is going to be good because they hit it so big, as you said, that my expectation is that they're going to maybe have an error fest one of these days. But it hasn't happened in these last two. And these have been long matches. There's, when, they're getting, when they're playing latter stages of a tournament, these two are in form. And when these two are in form, mm. they don't seem to throw in a duffer. We suffered, didn't we, from that first set being so good. If it had just been sort of a regular tie-break set you know someone had won it 7-4 in the tie-break whoever had lost that set probably would have been better able to to recover and regroup but it was so good and so nail-biting we kind of we expended all of our excitement in in one set didn't we but it it was thrilling and it was unquestionably the set of the day and that is not to say we did not enjoy watching what Carlos Alcaraz did for an hour and a quarter in the men's final, which was, and if you think this is too much, then please tell me, but pretty much destroy a man on a 19-match winning streak, a hard-court specialist, (laughs) no less. He got taken to the cleaners today, Daniel Medvedev. That could have been a six-love second set. Credit to Medvedev for it not being... But it almost still felt like it. It was that one-sided today. Yeah, I mean, and 
looking back now, I think it was over on the buggy ride to the court because uh, that ended up actually being a perfect summary of what happened in the match. Alcaraz was on the buggy, looking totally at ease, waving at people, having the time of his life. He looked like he was off to play golf with Dan Evans. <laughs> he re- it was. We've talked about what a cool cat, cool cucumber he is before. It was ridiculous how he was behaving on that buggy. He was waving at all the volunteers. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Oh, yeah, you. Yeah, good to see you again. Oh, great. Yeah, give me a call later. It was it was absurd. And actually, it's, it's one of the things that Medvedev said about him after the match. You know, he's got, he says hello to 300 people. I mean, we were exiting the, the place last night and, and we saw one Carlos Ferrero get into a car and um, then Carlos Alcaraz appeared and was getting into the front seat. And, you know, I got to be honest. I averted my eyes because because I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make it make anybody. He's heard f- about doorstop doorstep by David, <laughs> and he didn't want to seem predatory. I, I, I never want people to feel like they have to sort of acknowledge you. They don't, he doesn't know me. He doesn't know any of us. And and we're walking by, and he sort of starts waving. He starts going, <laughs> yeah. "Hey, b- bye!" You yeah, know? in a really boyish, in a, in a really nice, genuine way. way. Yeah, and we were like. Oh, Bye. <laughs> he really wants everyone to have a nice time. Yeah, he does. Yes. Mm. And, and but by contrast, I was going to say Medvedev on the buggy. I was going to say the other element of this was how Medvedev looked on on the buggy, which was literally clinging on for dear life. Mm. Poor thing. He was in the front seat, which generally the higher ranked player gets the front seat. But I don't know. I don't know whether they, they get told beforehand where you're sitting on the buggy, you get seat assignments. I don't know. But anyway, Medvedev... That's, that's what we need to know, though, isn't it? That's the stuff Golf, we need to know. buggy etiquette mm. on the way to the court. So Medvedev ends up in the... Well, it's really the middle seat because there's a driver. So he's sort of crammed in, David Law style, his legs sort of folded up like a deck chair. <laughs> and there's this little sort of railing in front of him, which he's clinging on to. He looks like he's on a... You know, the fairground rides for the old people <laughs> that go at about two miles per hour. He looks like he's on one of those, sort of... He's wrapped up in his tracksuit, whereas mm. Alcaraz has just got his match <laughs> kit on. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that's that's how the, the match then yeah. played out like that. And look, it was, I was so interested by this match, as we talked about yesterday. We've not seen it. You know, we've not seen Daniil Medvedev against... The famous Carlos Alcaraz. We've seen him against, two years ago, Carlos Alcaraz still developing at Wimbledon. Medvedev won easily. But since Alcaraz had got to this level, we hadn't seen it. And it just became very obvious very quickly that this was a disastrous situation for Daniil Medvedev. His, His game on this court looked completely impotent against Alcaraz. In fact, his sort of solidity just provided a platform for Alcaraz to show off everything yeah, that have, he can do have a lovely ball to hit Carlos yeah do and what you like with it have a lot of space to fun. hit into because I'm yeah. going to be standing way yeah. back here I'll be in the stands yeah fill you, your boots you just do three drop shots in a row and make me look like an idiot that game that game was something else wasn't well that, it? that was the the thing with this match just generally I felt like we got to see everything that Alcaraz mm-hmm. has got. 
He races into the three-love lead. He's basically battering Medvedev off the court with the, the weight of his ground strokes. And then it was... We, we were talking to Medvedev. Chris Clary asked him about adjustments and whether he tried to make some mid-match adjustments. And I think really the, the feeling was he didn't try to make enough of a mid-match adjustment, really, given what was going on. But he he did reference the three drop shots in the game. And I think that that is the problem you have when you're Medvedev and you're trying to be Mr. Brick Wall, standing way back mm-hmm. so that you're absorbing all the power. And then this guy has just got these hands and this drop shot and this timing of when to do it. And he was just toying with Medvedev, really. He has multiple ways to beat you. And they are, they're complementary. The power from the baseline, the depth of the mm-hmm. hitting is complemented by the drop shots because you've got nowhere to go. You've got nowhere to stand. Yeah, I mean, he was asked in, in his press conference a few nights ago, Alcaraz, about his drop shots. What's the secret to them? And he instantly said, my forehand is the key to my drop shot because... You know, it's got so much power. You have to be so wary of what's coming that, you know, as a player against Alcaraz, I think you do naturally just inch back in the court and it just leaves all this space. And he's got such lovely touch to go with it and he and he can just find the open space. He was also serve volleying oh, a lot was, that today. That was just a ta- first set. Fantastic. That was a tactical masterclass from, from Alcaraz. I mean, he's got the execution as well. He's got the movement. He can execute these volleys, but... Yeah, he's just kick-serving in a serve volley or slicing it short out wide. And Medvedev is just lurching left, right, trying to get the ball back. And then this guy, it's like watching the 80s. Suddenly you've got Stefan Edberg at the net just <laughs> knifing a volley away. Oh, he's, he had the lot today. It was the first time I think I've seen him put together a performance where it all clicked. I mean, and that's a, a, an incredible statement when you consider what he did last year. But he did it last year with his superpower-like mm. movement and power and surprising people. Today, it was a complete performance. And, and that was the development that we all, I think, expected Alcaraz to make eventually or that he would need to make. And it seems like, you know, what are we, six or seven months on from the US Open? It seems like he's made that development already he he was he was patient today he wasn't just going for winners on every shot he was constructing rallies uh and his serve has got better as we spoke about this is the first time i think that he's won a title without losing a set you know he he's not having quite the same dramatic moments where his game just suddenly goes off he, a little bit we saw it in the semi-final against sinner but he got it back together and yeah he looks to have kicked on even from from the level he was playing last year and still only at 60 (laughs) percent i mean i do i do almost want to just ask juan carlos has he added four or five percent based (laughs) on your assessment yeah he's he's doing two percent per day (laughs) that's his trajectory uh speaking of juan carlos ferrero the hug Mm. They are good lovely. to have that back. They're yeah. lovely to watch together, aren't they? I've it's missed big that bear hugs. hug, and then lots of playfulness in the trophy presentation. And the third member of the team, whose name I, I, I don't know, but they're just—they're a lovely group. Uh, and it's no surprise, really, that he comes across as such a nice lad. I mean, they mm. just—they seem like a like Rafa's family or something like that. You know, it's a—it is a great group he's got there. You mentioned the ceremony and 
the star of the ceremony was Daniil Medvedev. And I had this moment watching that where, you know, he, he, he thanked the court. Great line. <laughs> he thanked the court with whom he said he was in a situationship, which is an all-timer. <laughs> All-timer from Daniel Medvedev. Hmm. <laughs> and just tremendous. And that uh, speech that he gave made me think of the press conference that Andy Roddick gave after he'd been blown away by Federer at the Australian Open. I think it was 2007. Yeah, And was. everyone was thinking, oh, he's, he's getting closer to Federer. <laughs> Federer just absolutely destroyed him. And Roddick just gave this incredibly witty funny, sharp press conference and said the line, uh, if there were rankings for press conferences, I wouldn't have to worry about dropping out of the top five. And I just kind of thought Medvedev, you know, he's okay, he's, he's, he is one of the best five players in the world, that's for sure, but it kind of felt like he's got the talking and the <laughs> off-court stuff ahead of Alcaraz. You know, if, if I had to choose one of them to listen to or do a podcast with, it would be Daniil Medvedev. He's great. I can't get enough of him. He's he's a legend. But he got absolutely crunched today on the court. And that was kind of what Federer did to Roddick back then. And look, I think Medvedev was was, you know, quite quickly into press after the match and was trying to work out how much of it was Alcaraz being brilliant, how much of it was him not having a good day. He didn't serve an ace today. It's like the first time in three years that he hasn't even hit an ace in a match. So definitely Daniil Medvedev can play better. But I was left thinking Alcaraz is just on a different level, even to a guy who's been world number one, was on a 19-match winning streak. It was it was pretty, pretty extraordinary. I think the problem for players of Medvedev's level and CV and ambition with writing it off as Alcaraz being brilliant, which sometimes just is the story. Your opponent is is brilliant. Those days happen. It's sport. Is that Alcaraz is going to keep being brilliant. You know, mm. most of the time he plays Alcaraz, he's going to play a version of what he played today. And Medvedev aspires to get back to being world number one and continue to win Grand Slams. And he doesn't want to rely on someone else taking care of Carlos Alcaraz for him, both because that's not the mentality of a champion and because <laughs> it's not a very reliable strategy. Um, so I I think that's the problem. You can you can write off a an exceptional performance as they just played out of their mind, you know, Take it on the chin. But I don't think you can just write off, if you're Daniel Medvedev, well, Alcaraz is just that much better than me. And I don't think he'll want to. Mm. But I also don't know what he does well, about I think it. He definitely thinks he will have a better chance when it's faster. Yeah. Mm. Um, and he will. All jokes aside about the court, I think his view is, you know, it might not be the same sort of match if, if, if the balls mm. are sliding through, skidding through. I just think that the, the the problem is that Alcaraz is going to learn how to do that as well. He's going to learn all of these surfaces because he's good enough. The question mark, the only question mark I really have is injuries. Um, I think if he stays fit, I think he will get mentally stronger. I think he'll get more 
know-how on these various different surfaces. He'll start to understand his opponents more. But even so, I mean, he can often beat people just by blowing them away. What he did today against Medvedev was use tactics so skillfully, so cleverly. I mean, I'm sure they, they worked out a pre-match battle plan and it worked to a T. But I was really taken aback by his... I mean, it's, it's, it's just all the pieces coming together. We've seen them in, in little batches over the course of the last 18 months. He did the lot today. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it makes you think about him and Djokovic for the future. Um, because Medvedev actually referenced Djokovic as being the only other player, really, who's done that to him in that kind of way where you end up just unable to have an answer. And, of course, Alcaraz is back to world number one now, taking that off Djokovic. I must say, I'm not... It's weird. I feel like I really should be into this exchanging of world number one. But but no one is. It's no not one. just you. Mm. And it's because... <laughs> Definitely not David. <laughs> you know, it's it's as we know, it's it's largely because Djokovic has chosen not to be vaccinated and can't play these events that we're not seeing them go up against each other. You know, Alcaraz needs to win Miami to keep the world number one spot. I mean, I think I will be picking him to win Miami. <laughs> he feels not inevitable, but you know, who, who who's going to beat him if he if he plays well? And that's. You know, the answer to that question is probably Djokovic. You know, obviously he isn't there in Miami, but I just am so desperate we need to, to see, see Alcaraz Djokovic. You know, Djokovic may go on for five more years, the way he's looking, that's, that's possible. But also it does feel like maybe more likely he's got two or three more years at this sort of version of his prime that he's in. And that's not a huge window. And I just... I just want Alcaraz Djokovic matches because I think it would be fascinating to see them adapt to each other and go head to head. We had one one match in Madrid and it was great. Give me more. Mm. And the next time we see it probably will be on a clay court, which is which is great. I'll take it, you know, let it happen on the moon for all I care. But I do feel like, oh, we've seen that. Can we have it on a hard court first? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's yeah. the one thing we've seen. Yeah, from I the mean, two I of them. would, I would love to see a best of five set match between them at Roland Garros. I'd yeah. love to see that. But then I'd love to see a best of five set match between them at Wimbledon quickly afterwards. If if they could play at all of the next four Grand Slam tournaments. We're not asking for much. <laughs> I mean, and, and well, I, we're owed, I was asking, um, I was asking on Twitter, what do you think the head-to-head would be at the Grand Slams after one year's worth of Grand Slam meetings? Oh, what do you think? Don't do that. Uh, oh, good question. I'd probably go two all. Djokovic in Australia and Wimbledon? Yeah, that's what I'd probably go. Yeah. Maybe 3-1 Djokovic. Yeah, maybe 3-1 Djokovic. I don't but... think Alcaraz would have the lead at this stage. Over, over those tournaments. We just need to see it. Schedule it. Change the rules, <laughs> tennis. Just schedule it in. It's the two-man tournament. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It just, oh, can you, you know what's going to happen. Don't you? They will just somehow keep avoiding one another. You know, for, what, you mean like Nadal and Federer at yeah, the US Open? Right, yeah, it already yeah. <laughs> sort of has that feel. I know for that to happen, one of them has to lose and that feels completely unlikely, but it just feels like someone's 
got it in for that rivalry. <laughs> anyway, don't say we that. live in hope. We live in hope. Uh, Alcaraz for you, David, on for the Sunshine Double. I mean, he's very different from him in Miami, isn't it? He's the defending champion. Yeah, uh, fitness permitting. I mean, as long as he stays fit and there doesn't look to be anything wrong with him at the moment. He's beating him. You know, if he plays his best tennis, I would always back him against anybody in the world but Djokovic. Mm. And even then, I think I'm looking at more or less 50-50. But, look, he can go off the boil as well. We have seen it. Um, Who did he play yesterday? And he went off the boil. Yeah, he went, you know, it was... He does have moments. He does have spells where he starts missing. And and we as viewers, I struggle to understand what's going wrong. Well, I mean, he's human. He's human. He can make mistakes. Um, and I don't think he always knows what's going on. And he sometimes just keeps on flashing at the ball because that's who he is. I just think he's going to learn how to um, weather those moments of turbulence in the future and i think he's already learning mm. yeah i think there were fewer of them this tournament well good luck everyone just, that's not carlos alcaraz he, he just provides the source doesn't he mm. for the atp tour i mean look, the australian open was good but no sauce. No sauce. It was missing Carlos Alcaraz. Everybody it was a dry st- burger. Everybody just feels good in the stadium yeah. when he's doing his stuff. And he is loving it so much. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Pink was there again today. She can't get enough of Indian Wells. And when the camera lingered on her, she mouthed, I love Carlos. And made a heart with her fingers. So... Making friends and influencing people. (laughs) Carlos Alcaraz. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. 
Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Uh, last night, uh, as we recording, were recording, uh, Rohan Bapana and Matt Ebden were as it turns out, well on their way to the men's doubles title, beating the world number ones, Wesley Kulhoff and Neil Skubsky. He is 43 years old, Rohan Bapana, and he looks it. It's, just, it's astonishing. <laughs> it's I mean, amazing. He, he plays such good tennis still. I mean, he, he's, in, he's a bit like further on from the Feliciano Lopez with the grey beard, isn't he? He's sort of... Um, it, it, that That's happening. But, I mean, he just has such timing with his with his ground stroke returns and his volleys and his no know how at the net. I mean, it's pretty cool really what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 like Bruce, Matt, an inspiration. Yes. Not like Bob. Not <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just Bob, one last Bob, chance Bob, for a dig. Bob's the cheat. Bruce is the inspiration. Correct. Although David does think he got hustled by Bruce. Anyway, Bruce genuinely was inspiring. I liked Bruce. Uh, I will be bringing you mascot news in just a moment's time. But first, I'm going to remind you one last time this tournament about the Roland Garros ticket promotion that Steve Vogel's International Tennis Tours are offering to tennis podcast listeners. You can get 15% off tickets and hospitality packages from Steve Vogel's International Tennis Tours to the French Open this year. Just go to Tours for Tennis dot com forward slash podcast tours the number four tennis dot com forward slash podcast click the banner for the Roland Garros promotion and enter the special discount code for tennis podcast listeners which is 15 love one five l-o-v-e all caps everyone ready yeah so ready disclaimer time 15Love coupon code is only valid on purchases for eligible 2023 Roland Garros ticket purchases on www.toursfortennis.com made between 9pm Eastern Time on Thursday, March the 16th, 2023 through to 11.59 Eastern Time on Sunday, April 9th, 2023. The 15Love code is limited to one use per customer, not valid on previous purchases and not usable with any other offer or discount. Your total savings will be revealed when you head to toursfortennis.com add an eligible package to your cart and enter 15love all caps at checkout not valid on hotel packages or other events offered by Steve Vogel's International Tennis Tours or any of its subsidiaries for questions please email info at toursfortennis.com crushed it mm, there's a little stumble in there, there was a little there. savings Pre- great. pretty good that's like when, when I used to figure skate, if you fell on a jump, you were taught to get up and do the landing position anyway. As if, you know, maybe someone won't notice. Right. <laughs> which, which is like the uh, opposite of the story you were telling us about uh, how your brother failed his driving test. Oh, he knew yeah. he failed and just went into road rage or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly that. My brother will love that story coming out on the tennis podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> uh, Matthew 
spent his morning this morning watching a video of ten-year-old uh, Carlos Alcaraz. I was going to say he's had a good day. He he's loves a, he's Alcaraz. had a good day. I mean, he loves Medvedev too. But That's true. Where did you find that? I'll send it to you. It's brilliant. It's actually Alcaraz through his teen years. It's sort of footage from ten through to about fifteen. It covers the Matt Roberts discovery mm. time. And that the technique on the drop shot is the same right from the early days. And he's serve volleying all the way through. You know, that's not something that someone's gone, Carlos, you're very good, but you need to do this. It feels like it's just always been in his mm. DNA. Mm. Anyway, there we go. We have a mascot for this episode. That mascot is Pumpkin, owned by Sarah Matthew. Pumpkin is an 11-year-old orange tabby mixed with Siamese, a cat mix. We don't often get those, do we? He's a former Philadelphia street cat who's scary smart with an industrial strength purr. His much larger brother, Buddha, was a... Oh, yes! Oh, it's all coming together. His much larger brother, Buddha, was a podcast mascot in 2022, and they make a funny pair. Well, as you know, Sarah, animals being friends is my favourite thing, (laughs) and... Pumpkin has a real vibe of Peanut, my childhood cat, about him. So, Did Peanut like you? Because I know magic's not too... Peanut didn't really like people. <laughs> right, okay. But there was no, he did actually prefer men to women. Okay. Um, oh. So in short, no. <laughs> but I loved him very much. Um, and that was what made him lovable, his... I don't care about any of you energy. Mm. Anyway, pumpkin is absolutely lovely. I love that ginger colouring with the with the white ruff. Very, very elegant. So thank you, Sarah, for bringing pumpkin into our lives. Now, on to presenter mascot news. Big. David. Well, actually, no, we can cover myself and David together. Maisie and Xenia, we've done a good thing this week, David. We've scored big with Carlos Alcaraz, and I feel like that's going to be something... We be repeatable. Um, yeah, he how, brought how, it how home big, for us. How big have we won? Triple I digit think, points. I think so because oh. this was a this was a double point tournament. Come so on, I th- Catherine. I think you might have got one hundred and thirty each yes. for Carlos Alcaraz. That's probably the longest Alcaraz's odds will ever be for the next twenty <laughs> we, years. We got in it? there just in the nick yeah. of time, uh, Matt. Heartbreak for you and Darwin. Well, you had Shriontek yeah. and Tiafo. Tiafo. Yeah. Okay, so heartbreak we for, have, of we, yesteryear. If only I mean, Sabalenka had won, Catherine, we'd have cleaned up. Mm. Honestly, heartbreak. This is not. Fulham is heartbreak. Yeah. Okay. He's not had a very good day. He's the heartbreak prince today. <laughs> let's be, yes, no, let's be nice to him. Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah and Drew. And we have shout outs, Matt. We have Christy Wellam, who is from Lucas in Texas. Okay, like Christy Pigeon of the original nine. Very good. Very good, but no. Oh. As in different spelling. Yes. Okay, so same church, different pews. That's the situation. Okay. Okay. Uh, Christy, well, I'm still impressed. Christy says, I spend my days attempting to satisfy the every whim of my 10-year-old husky. Oh. Maya. Huskies are beautiful. Hard work, I think. So I can, I can imagine that Christy, that's a full-time job, Christy. 
Um, but thank you and hello. We've also got Martina Vranjelic, who lives in Vancouver but was born in Zagreb. Oh, wow, which is where I lived for a couple of years. Absolutely beautiful city. You can say hello to Martina in Croatian, David. Uh, yes, Dobadan. <laughs> Dobadan, Martina. That was fantastic. Like Hingis or Navratilova. Um, and Hingis was named after Navratilova, wasn't she? Yes. So, so Navratilova's the OG. Yep. What is it again? And Trevisan. Dobadan. 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 Da. He can't Dobadan. say it without doing an arm gesture. Correct. <laughs> and, and, and when I'm in Croatia, I do the arm gesture. <laughs> um, thank you, Martina. And the final one today is for Gail Nell, who is from Madison. Wisconsin. Correct. Capital of Wisconsin, I believe. Good knowledge. Gail says been a tennis fan since watching Yvonne Goulagon on TV float her way across the court to the 1971 Wimbledon title. Oh, well, I couldn't agree more with you about that, uh, Gail, the floating of Yvonne Goulagon, us doing our tennis relived show about her and getting to discover the way she played and the experience of watching her was one of, one of the real highlights of a couple of years ago, I thought. Like Gail... Who's going to be supporting Taylor Swift in Vegas? All over it tonight, mm. Catherine. I mean, I'm not... That, well, I have just pointed out the different spelling, but... Is this... This is different spelling. This it's is. Without we, a Y. Yeah. Can we okay. have Gail Monfils? Oh, I'd say this that's... Is an, f- this is another different spelling. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but all great. All great Gales. Well, we'll let you know on Friday. If, yeah. If, yeah, we'll let you know. Full review. Yeah, if you're not in a better mood, by if you ruin Taylor Swift for me because <laughs> I told you, lost I just need sleep. five days ago, I then there's going to be trouble. My my reaction to this, I would say normally, never known heartbreak like it, <laughs> but I would have I would have preferably just gone to lie down in a dark room for several hours. Oh, but he had to watch tennis. Correct. Yeah, and and then and then we decided to do the podcast, and then I said, should we get the cameras out and do it on YouTube? <laughs> mm. Mm. Let's let Matt go to bed, shall we, and pack. sleep it off. Yeah. Woe is you, Matt. <laughs> Woe is you. Everyone listening has got the violins out for you. <laughs> Look, we want to give one last thank you, don't we, to On Location and Steve Fogel's International Tennis Tours for bringing us out here, first mm. and foremost, for allowing us to watch all this tennis, talk about it, bring you extra podcasts that we hope you've enjoyed, for allowing us to meet so many of you at the booth in our meet and greets every day that really has been a very genuine joy so thank you to all of you that came and saved us from humiliation because we really genuinely were fearful of that uh, before the tournament Um, it's been an absolute blast hasn't yeah, it? it really has. And, and to, to be able to come here for, for me for the first time in 15 years, for, for Matt to be able to come for the first time at all, and for us all to be together, you know, that, that wouldn't be happening without On Location and Steve Fergal's International Tennis Tours. And if you, if you are interested in having a look at what they have to offer, I mean, us spending a bit of time in their booth, you see the brochures that they have for Wimbledon and Roland Garros and US Open and Australian Open and Labour Cup and Madrid and here – 
uh, where they're the, the sort of official tour operators. I mean, they go everywhere. And if, if you get a package with them, it's not just great tickets you'll get. You'll, we, we were able to go in their suite, uh, where, which is a sort of a big area where you can have a cocktail and have happy hour and just get away from it all for a bit and, and then go back and watch the tennis. I mean, play shuffleboard. Play shuffleboard. You certainly can here, and they'll sort out your, your, some great accommodation. And it's just... It's just a cool thing to do if you do go and get one of those packages. Um, and, well, we've, we've sampled a little bit of it here. It's, it's tennis plus faff removal, which yeah. I, I can't speak <laughs> highly enough of, quite frankly. Yeah, they let, sort it all out for if you. If you can afford it, let someone else do it for you. <laughs> That's my policy. Uh, so, yeah, it's been an absolute joy. And thank you to our partners at On Location for making it so Matt and I, our journey continues. It does. I promise I'll be in a better mood tomorrow mm. morning. I promise I'll be holding you to that. So, so glad I didn't. I mean, I love meeting tennis podcast listeners. <laughs> if we'd done a meet and greet today, I, was, I would have been a state. So glad people didn't have <laughs> to see We'd have called me it like off, that. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, not, he's not feeling so well. Oh, what's wrong with him? Oh, Fulham disease. Just misery. Misery. Um... <laughs> Yeah, our journey continues. Matt and I are hanging around in Palm Springs for a few days, renting a car, uh, and then we're headed to Vegas. Uh, TBC, and whether there'll be content from that in negotiations. I don't, I don't know whether Matt's fit to be on air further, uh, but if he is, then watch. Keep across our socials for hashtag content from our road trip to Vegas. I will. And uh, I'll be headed to Miami as well for Prime, uh, be broadcasting from there. Radicani was drawn Andrescu in the first round. So we'll be watching tennis again from tomorrow, <laughs> won't we? That is just how we roll. And on that note, I think, unless anyone has any other business. No, nope. shaking heads. Matt needs to go to bed ASAP. On that note, folks. I will say one last time, thanks for listening. Subscribe to the newsletter, follow us on social media, tell your friends, and we'll speak to you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.